Good evening. So glad you're here. I hope you were able to see this morning's message. I hope you were able to hear Pastor Rodney Ingram's Sunday school message. And I hope you were able to watch Bunny and Ducky uh, this morning as well. So you can still get those if you didn't get a chance to see that. So this is Sunday evening, and we've had a, we've had a bad run of cold, rainy weather, and then followed by some fairly decent weather. And I wanted to bring you a message to warn you and to remind you of the importance of of R&R, rest and relaxation. Everybody needs it. We need a break. If you don't come apart, you come apart. And when you are weary and exhausted and tired and you're not taking breaks and you just keep going and going and going, oh, you can do it. You can do it. But your energy level and even even your spiritual level goes down, down, down where you become more susceptible to Satan's attacks, to temptations in your life. And it's just like when you least expect it, when you're most susceptible, Satan attacks you. More than that, he even knows what buttons to push when he attacks you. Well, one of the godliest men in the history of the world made mistakes. He made mistakes. I believe it was summertime. And I just want to remind you to be on guard, to be careful with your summertime, both good and bad. I ask you to turn with me to 2 Samuel Chapter 1, speaking of King David, wasn't he a godly guy? Wasn't he just a man after your own heart? He was a a man after God's heart. But just like you and I, he had failures. He had weaknesses. And boy, did his weaknesses flare up and change a lot of people's lives. So I'm in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1, and I'm just going to read this these first four verses to you. And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle. That's spring. Everybody, everybody rests during the winter time. But in the springtime, the kings go forth to battle. What's that about? Kings are always trying to move their borders, move their kingdoms outward and outward Kings are always trying to get another king's wealth, another village's wealth. They're always wanting more and more. Be careful. In some ways, we need to learn to be satisfied with what God has given us, to be satisfied. And from this morning's message, as long as you're always wanting more, you're not at peace either. So learn to be satisfied with what God has given you. At the time when kings go forth to battle, that King David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon. They besieged Rabbah. Rabbah. But David stayed in Jerusalem. Verse 2. 
And it came to pass in the evening that David arose from off his bed, walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and asked about the woman. And one said, this is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David's messengers, and David sent messengers, verse 4, and he took her. She came into him. He laid with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned to her own home. First, first, ladies, Bathsheba reminds you to be careful how you dress, especially in the winter time. We tend to let let down our hair, so to speak, and we tend to not dress as as we should. Be careful. The way you dress, ladies, can truly fire the lust of other men. Men get fired up with with appearance, with looking, with seeing, and they might they might be very godly men who want to have eyes only for their wives, but when they see you, they can't help but lust after you. Be careful. I don't know, maybe she liked turning heads. Being a beautiful woman that she was, she'd spend all her life, everywhere she went, having heads turn and admire her. Maybe she was bored. You think about it. They didn't have the entertainment that we have in our own homes. And they, you can get bored and you can get lonely. I remember in my first year, 1982, I was called to a, uh, a home. The, the mother had two teenage daughters and all three of them were very, very pretty. And I sat in the living room, not alone with the, the, the mother, but uh, with all three of them talking about the, po- the positive things of our youth group. One that. And the mother, a very beautiful woman, her heart out to me. And the next thing I know, she reached over and she laid her hand in my lap and said, I'm so lonely. Only her husband was one of these long, long that was always gone four or five days a week, and she made the her mis- she she made the mistake of not being fulfilled some other way, and she was lonely, putting her hand on my leg. Well, I don't like that. I didn't like that. A charge went through me, and I jumped up. I remember. I said, "Listen." I will have some women in the church call you to try to befriend you and meet your, meet your needs to be counselors to you. But I looked at my watch and I said, I've got to be going. And I left very quickly. Be careful. When you get lonely and bored, you are susceptible to committing sin. Please be careful. And it's a, that's not just summertime. That's any time. So ladies, please dress appropriately. 
Guard against boredom and loneliness. So first, about Bathsheba. Secondly, David let his guard down. It was summer. He was overconfident. He wasn't alert to spiritual attacks. He wasn't where he was supposed to be on the battlefield leading his forces. He had, he had given uh, the command of his forces to General Joab, and he's back at home. Too much R&R. I want to warn you, please be careful. 1 Peter 5, 8, 5, 8 and 9, be sober. That means be very serious and sincere and watchful. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Be careful. Be on guard. Don't let your guard down. In Psalms 91 verse 1, it says, He that dwells in the secret place, that's the prayer closet. Whatever, wherever it is you pray the most often, that's your prayer closet. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide, continually live under the shadow of the Almighty. Stopping right there for a moment before we get to verse 2. Under the shadow of of the Almighty. Every time you have a temptation, we always look this way, look this way. We're looking around. Is anybody watching? We forget to look up. And we need to remember that wherever we go, we are in His shadow. He is so close to us in the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2 of Psalm 91, I will say of the Lord... He's my refuge. He's my fortress. That's where you run to in times of trouble. <clears throat> it says, my God, in him will I trust. Who wrote Psalms 91? King David. King David. Psalms 91 verse 3 says, Surely he will deliver thee from the trap of the, of the fowler. And he will deliver you from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. This inspired record is to be regarded as a divine light. Warning us of the rocks upon which David. David's life was shipwrecked. He already had a wife, you know. He already had children. David's life was shipwrecked. As a danger signal, a warning to be on guard for us, lest we, like King David, through the sin of unwatchfulness. Please be careful. Don't commit the sin of unwatchfulness. It can ruin your lives. I often, before I, before I get in the car to go down the road, I imagine these bow hunters up on the hills ready to aim at me as I go by if I let my guard down. 
And I, I think of that. I don't want to sin against God. I don't want to sin against my wife. I don't want to sin against my church. So remembering that. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You know, some say it can't happen to them. Some say they would never commit sin, that kind of sin. Some, some trust in their own heart and think that they are not capable of adultery. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six always woke me up. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whosoever walks wisely, he shall be delivered. I like to think of myself, and I'm glad some of you disagree with me. But I like to think of myself as the most happily married man in the whole world. I like to think of myself, but even I, as a human being, as a man, all of us are capable of the most horrible, horrible sins. So never trust in your own heart. Always be prepared. Don't trust in your own heart. Jeremiah says it this way. The heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked. And who can know? It's stopping right there for a moment. The heart is deceitful above all things. Desperately wicked. Our heart makes excuses for our behavior. We can come up with the greatest excuses for our sins. There is no excuse for breaking God's laws, for, for breaking God's moral laws. And I, and I even speak to the teenagers of the church, the, the unmarried of the church. No, you can't do some things just because you love them. Well, they love me. We love each other. No, don't make excuses for your sin. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins. The word reins literally means the inner being, the inner person. Even to give every man according to his ways. And according to the fruit of his own doings, you reap what you sow. Listen, the Bible does not whitewash its heroes. They had to deal with the same temptations as we do. Noah was described as a preacher of righteousness, yet... In Genesis 9, it speaks of his drunkenness and shame. Abraham is described as a man of faith, yet he had his wife lie about being married to him. Lot was supposedly a godly man, worthy of being saved out of a burning city. Lot, a godly man, yet his drunkenness led to incest with his daughters. Aaron and Miriam are filled with jealousy and envy and speak evil against Moses. David commits adultery, tries to cover it up for over a year. And in so doing, he commits murder, having Bathsheba's husband ordered to the front lines, which was almost of a surety 
death. They are all just more folk. They're all capable of anything. We are all capable of anything. They let down their guard. They became guilty of the sin of unwatchfulness. This adulterous behavior of David shows that not only is the natural man fallen and depraved, but also even the redeemed man, the saved man, is capable of committing sin and making excuses for it. Saved man is liable and capable of the most horrible sins. Most horrible evil. You see, the flesh in the believer is no different and no better than the flesh of the unbeliever. We are all capable and of, of committing the most terrible of sins. Yes, the godly giant killer who had enjoyed such long and close communion with God, David had the flesh with him to deal with. And because he failed to control the lust of the flesh, he throws away the joys of divine fellowship, defiling his conscience and causing his children untold harm. All, all of it in exchange for what? the pleasures of sin for a season. No one will deny, if they do, they're, they're, they're just dumb about it. No one will deny that sin has pleasure in it. But the pleasure is only for a season. Then you pay a price. The one who said, my soul thirsts for God, the living God, Psalms 42, 2, now finds himself thirsting after another man's wife. Summertime. So what happened to bring King David to this terrible place, this horrible sin? First, he got lazy. Physically and spiritually. I don't believe David would have done this had he kept his spiritual life up his walking in the shadow of the Almighty. I believe, uh, I believe that had he had the Spirit of God upon him at that point, and if he, if he would have had the presence of God with him, practicing it, he might have looked down, saw that woman bathing, and looked away right away. I believe he became spiritually deficient. David's failure was that he failed to follow his path of duty. Had he been fighting the battles of the Lord, he would not have been subjected to this terrible temptation. David relaxed when he should have been on guard. He preferred the luxuries of the palace to the hardships of battle, to the hardships of living in a tent. Comfort. Versus hardship. Sometimes we all choose comfort. And then that comfort is often a trap. The most important principle here 
for Christians is this, never take your armor off. Guard your heart at all costs. David had taken his armor and off and without protection, when the enemy attacked him, he became very susceptible. In Ephesians 6.11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the plans, the wiles, the plans of the devil. And he does have plans to bring you down. Again, so what happened to bring King David to this horrible sin? Number one, he got lazy. Number two, David had a wandering eye. Don't have a wandering eye. Be very careful. If you're married, develop eyes only for her, for your wife. Develop those eyes that you, that you will have eyes only for her. Verse 2, it had come to pass in the evening that David got up from his bed, walked around the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw the woman washing She was very beautiful to look upon. We should never seek that which we cannot have without sin. We should never seek that which we cannot have without sin. I one time went target shooting with a pastor who it had been reported to me that he was having an affair with the church secretary. I have an affair with the church secretary, my personal secretary. It's my wife. But he was having an affair with somebody else's, somebody else's wife, and he himself was married with children. And uh, I know pastors on that man's staff that shortly after my encounter with him, uh, he, they left that, that man. They resigned their position. But we were, at the, we were at the shooting range, and this man had a, I don't know, it was like $2,000 rifle. I mean, it had everything on it. It might have even had a bazooka to it. And it was just a beautiful thing to look at. And he took it out on the ridge, and he didn't just shoot the target, he blew it up into pieces. And he said, hey, pastor, why don't you try this? And I did this. I took my hands back. And I said, oh, no. I never want to try on another man's gun that I can't afford, another man's wife that I can't afford. And I had a third piece there. And he flinched when I said the wife thing. Uh, Be careful. We should never seek that which we cannot have without sin. Isaiah 33, 15 says it this way. It is the character of a good man that he shuts his eyes from seeing evil, i.e. such as porn. Of course, never in the history of the world has uh, pornography been been such an accepted natural sin and so available. What did he say? It is the character of a good man that he shuts his eyes 
from seeing evil. Here again with King David. What did he say? He said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. And I know I've said this before to our parents. We had, we had a card we had folded up, something like this. And it was, it was set right on the TV stand. And it's set like this, and it's said that verse, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. We had that verse, and our, our children, specifically my son, uh, grew up with that. Every time he turned the TV on, he saw that, that little placard with that Bible verse. Please, please try that. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Well, David was a little late with that in his life. He had learned his lesson. What were the actual steps to King David's fall? One, he looked. He looked, but that is not the sin. The sin is to keep on looking. The sin is to, you see, we cannot help it ourselves in today's day and age where most of the women are not going to dress uh, godly. They're going to dress provocatively. They're trying to catch the eye of others. They like that head turning. Please be careful. Please be careful. He looked. But that's not the sin. The sin is to keep on looking and to keep staring. You can look, but don't touch, somebody once said in a group of men. You can look as long as you don't touch. I'm sorry. I disagree with that. In Matthew 5.27, Jesus says, You have heard that it is said of them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you that whosoever, that's us, looks on a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Have eyes only for your wife. If you don't have a wife, have eyes for God only. Hold that back. Save that for your own wife. He looked. Secondly, he sent, and number two, asked after the woman. David now determines in his heart to find out who is this beauty. And David sent and asked after the woman, and the, and the one said, it is, this is Bathsheba, the daughter, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. I think here was a deliberate premeditation on David's part. But here too was a merciful warning for one of David's servants. She's married, king. She's married. He was asking about Bathsheba, the wife of another man. And besides, David's married too. Now, girls, I'm sorry. I want to give this little warning to you. 
I'm married. I'm not available. And I think one of those reasons is I have eyes only for her. And when I, when I refuse all that out there, all this out here, when I see my wife, it makes it extra special just to see her. I have eyes only for her. 47 years, when she walks into a room, my heart skips. Even in a church, when we're, church is full with people talking, I can hear her voice across the church and it makes my heart skip. Please be careful. That's what you want. But you have to refuse all those other distractions. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1 shows that marriage was appointed as a remedy against fornication. Therefore, that persons had better marry than burn. Shows that marriage was appointed as a remedy. God put us on earth. Women, we're not evil. We're not bad. All men aren't bad. God gave us this desire. But we abuse it as man, mankind. God gave us this desire for for women, it should be for the woman in our life. Better to marry than to burn, it says in verse 9. Wow. Verse 4, it said, David sent messengers and took her. She came to him and he laid with her. The order of events is very clear. First he saw then he asked, then he laid with her. We can get an, an even clearer picture of what happened when we look at James 1, 14 and 15. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. When he's drawn away of his own lust, he's like pulled away like a magnet when he... When uh, it is, he is enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Sometimes that's the death of a family. Not the physical, but the spiritual, mental death of a family, of a relationship. And so often the, the, the people... The surviving children of a divorce often are more susceptible as they grow older to get a divorce. Work for mom, work for dad, I'll try it. So first David was drawn away of his own lust. David was then enticed by the sight of a beautiful woman. And then when lust had conceived, it brought forth sin. That a premeditated adultery and soon after it brought forth murder. Murder of Uriah. Be careful this summer. Have fun. Help the children to enjoy. Remember that they need to have fun. They've earned it. Nine months, well, 
nine months of intense school season, dealing with, dealing with teachers, bullies, and homework. Psalms 84, 11, I will keep no good thing from those who walk uprightly. Have fun this summer. Enjoy your summertime. Make sure your children have fun. Listen, we all need R&R and without it, and without something to look forward to in the future, you or the kids even, you become more susceptible to being sad and depressed. Have things, have things written down on the family calendar to look forward to, in, in your daytimers to look forward to, even if it's one day a week for that walk, even if it's that one that one time a week when you get alone with you and your, your spouse, taking your children on these walks and hikes. But remember to have fun. Remember the flesh of the believer is no different, no better than the flesh of the unbeliever. You and I are susceptible, especially when we let our guard down. Huh. I found this quote from Job. Job was such a godly man. God was, was talking to Satan about how wonderful of a man this Job guy was. And that's when Job said, yeah, that's because you got your hand on him. I take my hand off, just don't kill him. And in the middle of all these terrible things that have happened to Job, his friends are trying to find out, what happened? You used to be so close to God. What happened? And they're blaming Job for the problems Job was having. God must be punishing you, and he wasn't. And when bad things happen to good people, it's not always punishment. Don't let your minds go there. But Job, when one of his friends said, you must have had your mind or your heart or an affair with the neighbor, huh? Or with that girl down at the church, huh? You must have, this must be because of lust. And often when people talk about those things, it's because it's in their life. But Job had godly friends and the Job, Job's friends said that to him. Watch what Job said. Job said this, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Make a covenant with your eyes that you will not think upon other girls, other women. Be careful. Remember the sin is not to see, but to continue to see, to stare and take the binoculars out even. Wow. Romans 13, 13 says, Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting. Rioting is partying. Usually what happens after alcohol and friends get together. Not in rioting, not in drunkenness, not in chambering. I think we know what that is. Not in wantonness, no stop signs, doing whatever you want. Not in strife, not in envy. 
verse 14 on your screen. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. And again, Psalms 91, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall live under the shadow of the Almighty. Make that a goal. And when you're in the shadow of the Almighty, you are so much, under so much protection if you remember you're in His shadow and His presence. Wow. David, after being confronted by Nathan, Nathan the prophet, we have David's plea and confession. David, you've committed sin. You've done a terrible thing. You've taken another man's wife. When you, when you have your own wife, you've had the other man's husband, the other woman's husband killed. You are so guilty. And to me, one of the true guilt is we discover that it's been over a year now. David hadn't confessed it, hadn't even thought about his sin for over a year. And then David comes to his knees, comes to, comes to God, and he writes this Psalm 51. Psalm 51, verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. And God did have mercy on him. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies. God has a lot of tender mercies. God wants to forgive us. He says, according to thy tender mercies, block out my transgressions. Now that's what David did. If you have hidden sin in your heart or your life or lust for others, this goes on. David wrote verse 2. Lord, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. You skip to verse 8. Psalm 51 verse 8. Make me to hear joy. Make me to hear gladness. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. And then verses 9 and 10. Hide thy face from my sins. Oh, don't we want that? Blot out, erase my iniquities. Verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Never take off your armor. Lord Jesus Christ, only you know us. You know the individual, the weaknesses, the strengths. You know the needs and the desires. And Lord, we can't always, we can't always get what we want in this world. We need to be satisfied with what we do have. Gifts from heaven are our husband and wives. Gifts from heaven are our children. Lord, show us. Show us, Lord, how to live this life during this particular time in mankind's history. 
during this upcoming summer even. Help us, Lord. Have your presence felt with us. And Lord, help us to even have fun, to have R&R, rest and relaxation. Lord, I warn these people, and I know you do too, don't get too tired and beat down, for you can't resist the devil and temptations. Lord, listening to me right now are many people, some of which are really looking forward to this summer. Please, Lord, help us to develop that time in our day where we put on the armor of God every day. In Jesus' name, amen.